Well, we're going to be in a few different passages this morning. You can go ahead and turn to James, James chapter 4, and we'll be there in a few minutes. Before we get there into some other passages, last Sunday evening uh, with, with my family, try to gather together on Sunday evenings and just kind of um, do a debriefing, I guess, or talk about the day or the sermon, the messages, just the services that day and everything. And uh, But at that time, during that time, of course, in uh, Brother Leiter's message was, I mean, about the gospel, blessing, cursing um, on the gospel, and just, you know, just exhorting, encouraging, sharing with our family that, you know what, this week, um, our lives could change. Um, you know, this week, by next week, one of us, you know, could not be here. Um, or our lives could be forever changed um, in, in the span of this week. We're not guaranteed uh, what a day or what a week will bring. And so, in light of that, I mean, the gospel, knowing you're right with Christ, um, is at the center of it and living for, living for the Lord. Um, and, of course, just the next day, Monday, <laughs> cars being flown to St. Louis um, to the hospital there. And so just the reality of these words, um, I know, hit my life, and I pray hit the life of our family. And just this morning, just some thoughts sharing from Scripture, because throughout God's Word, um, He exhorts us, you know, living in light of, the fact that we're not guaranteed another moment, whether it be because of illness and death, some accident, um, whether it be or the Lord's return. You know, we're not guaranteed another moment to be right with God, um, to live for him, you know, to lay up treasures in heaven, uh, to share the gospel, to share with others, all these things. And, and so throughout scriptures, this, you know, just this exhortation, living in light of, this reality, our life on this earth, our time on this earth is not forever, but eternity is forever. And so, and we need help with this. I was thinking of Psalm 90 and verse 12, where the psalmist says, teach us, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So our need to be reminded in this, um, it's easy for us to get just caught up and even living you know right now just thinking of the week ahead i'm gonna i have this to do and this to do and and all these things and and it's it it can be easy to become distracted on eternity from eternity and what matters so just as the psalmist prays here and recognizes his need for the lord to teach him to number his days so we can present to him a heart of wisdom we need this we must number our days because our lifespan on earth is short. You know, just previous in that Psalm 90, he says, you know, some of us could live 70, 80 years or, or however long, but in, the, in, the, in light of eternity, that's nothing. We must number our days because Christ, he will return at any moment, any time. We must number our days because our life is a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. We could die today. 
So we have that exhortation, the psalm in Jesus. He tells us in Matthew 24, 42, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. So there's just a couple couple verses expressing just this need, living in light of this reality, that we're not guaranteed life as normal today or in this next week, or in the year to come. So teach us, Lord, to number our days. As Christ says, be on the alert, be on the alert. So let's look at some of the things that God says to us for how we are to live in light of uncertainty. And first, you know, I told you to turn to James. If you like, you can turn to Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, um, because what's uncertain for us, and just as I shared with my family last Sunday, the week ahead was uncertain for us, but what's uncertain for us is not uncertain for God. In Ecclesiastes 3, We find this this reality, this truth, that should be an encouragement to us. In verse 1, he says, There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. Well, these appointed times, who, who's the one who appoints them? I mean, it's not just some kind of fate. It's not just some kind of chance or accident, isn't it? Is it? Or even what happened this week in my life, in our family's life, or what happened in your life this past week. To the smallest detail, it wasn't chance. It's not something that's just, you know, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's completely out of our control and anybody else's control. It's just whatever's going to happen, happen. No, it's these appointed times are by God. And I won't read the, um, these verses in between verses 1 and, 12, uh, 1 and 11, but go down to verse 11. Because in verses 2 through 8, he talks about there's a time for this, a time for that. All these things, they're outside of our control, but they're not outside of God's control. And so look what he says in verse 11. He has made everything appropriate in its time, or beautiful. He's made everything beautiful, appropriate in its time. And so what an encouragement that is for us, though today's uncertain for us, though next week is uncertain for us, though the next year is uncertain for us, it's not uncertain for God, for the sovereign God of the universe. And not only is it not uncertain, he's appointed these things for us in our lives, and we know what he appoints, he appoints for our good. To where we can say, as the psalmist says here, he has made it. He he makes it beautiful in its appointed time. Romans eight twenty eight right and twenty nine there that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. And verse twenty nine talks about that purpose being conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. And so, I think that's a good place for us to start here. Um, this morning, and just talking about uncertainties, and when we, we can turn to James now, James 4, because there's a phrase in James 4 where he says, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. 
But at the foundation of that is God knows. <laughs> and God's appointed it. And God can be trusted with it. So then in light of that, how should we live? James 4, let's start in verse 13. He says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like. And let me go back and start verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So in light of the uncertainties of life, things that are outside of our control, in James here, we should live in humility. We should live in humility, planning with the dependence upon the Lord. I mean, this phrase just stands out in verse 14. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know, and it's, and so he tells us, and he reminds us, this is what you're like. This is what your life is like. You're like, you're like a vapor. You're like a vapor. You're, you're here one moment, gone the next. We're glad that those winter days may, are behind us for a season, Right? But if you could recall those days, you go outside, it's cold, and you breathe, you have just this vapor. It doesn't stay around, though, does it? I mean, it's there one second, gone the next. It says, your life is a vapor. Psalm 144.4 says, man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And it's great that God gives us these images to remind us. You know, when we see just this, this vapor and how it's here one moment, gone the next. Or we see our shadow. It's here one moment, gone the next. Reminders just of our life is a vapor. That we don't know what tomorrow will be like. And that we are dependent upon the Lord and are to be living as unto the Lord and for him. So our heart attitude here is to be, what's he say in verse 15? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. If the Lord wills it. And this is a, it's not just some mantra, you know, that that the believer says, you know, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. It's not just a mantra but this is the hard attitude of the Christian. One writer, he said this, it's a sincere appreciation for God's control of affairs and for his specific will for us. I mean, that's, that's at the heart of, of it for us as, as children of God is, is God, yes, this is our plan, but Lord, what is your will in this? We're trusting you in this. Lord, this is my plan this week. This is what I feel we need to do, but God, here it is for you to make changes and adjustments to it. Your will be done, is the heart of the believer. He says in verse 16, planning without God in the equation is the sin of pride. He says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 
all such boasting is evil. So in light of the uncertainties of our life that we do not know what tomorrow may, may bring for us, he says, cast yourself upon the Lord. Cast yourself upon him. Recognize your dependence upon him. In your planning, trust the Lord. His will be done. Seeking his, his will in things. So live in humility in light of the uncertainty of life. And then under this next point, there's a few different subpoints. But live ready to open the door for Jesus. Live ready to open the door for Jesus. Let's look in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35. He says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Verse 38. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So once again, and you, you, you hear the uncertainty here. For us, we don't know when the Son of Man is going to return. We don't know when the Lord Jesus Christ is to return. So, so how are we to be living as slaves of our Master's house? He says we're to be dressed in readiness. We're to keep our lamps lit. We're there waiting. We're living in light of his imminent, his soon return. And so we're going about his business. Those things he's left us on this earth to perform and to do, we're going about his business. So that when he, he comes back, it's not like when we get a surprise knock at the door and you're shoving stuff under couches and throwing toys in the closet and shutting the door and then you know fixing your hair or whatever as you open the door and oh hi how are you <laughs> we we're expecting you it's it's this readiness I, some of the kids here like when grandma and grandpa are coming right you know they're coming the lamp's lit i mean you're you're anticipating you're waiting you know any that when a knock comes at, they probably won't even get to the door to knock. I mean, you're there ready, anticipating their coming. And that's what this is like. And, and what Christ is telling his disciples to do, to be, to be dressed in readiness. As he said in Matthew 24, be on the alert. Be on the alert. Be about our master's business. First Peter four, you don't have to turn there, but verses seven through eleven, um, he starts out in verse uh, seven, talking about how the end is near. Once again, for us, that's uncertain. We don't know when that is, but in light of that, he he gives several exhortations here. 
He says, therefore, in light of this, in light of the end being near, in light of, we can talk about the soon coming of Christ in, in Luke 12 here, <laughs> but in light of that, he says a few things. In verse 7, he says, be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. These are some of the things we are to be about. Verse 8, he says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. You know, another passage in Christ talking about um, how the slaves are to act when his master is away. He, he talks about that being ready, and he says if the master comes and, he, and the slave, he, he wasn't expecting the master to return, and he's beating the slaves. You remember that? Well, here in, in Peter, he says, keep fervent in your love for one another. May the Lord not come back and see us beating um, fellow slaves, fellow believers. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. And then thirdly, he says in verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. These are ways we're just about the master's business, anticipating his return when he comes. So live ready to open the door for Jesus Christ. Be about his business. And also, if uh, still in Luke, Luke 12, we should also be uh, rich he tells us to be rich towards God in verses 13 to, to 21. Uh, this is the story that, that Christ shares of the, uh, the rich man. Um, and he was getting a, a, a huge crop come in. And so what did he say in verse 18, Luke 12, 18? He says, then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But, verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He wasn't taking into uh, his planning here what James talked about, was he? If the Lord wills. It, it, he was living just merely on a, on a horizontal level, not a vertical level. Not, God wasn't in the equation here. He says, I mean, you have a great retirement set up for you. You're going to be able to take it easy the rest of your days and have a great, a great life. And Christ says, but you don't know. That this very night, your soul is required of you. And that's the reality. We are a vapor. We are a vapor. So, and he says, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So living ready to open the door for Jesus Christ. Be about our master's business. Be rich towards God. Be rich towards God. Where are treasures laid up? Are they merely on this earth? Are we laying treasures in heaven? And then, thirdly here, kind of the sub point, be right with others, be right with God. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 21 to 26. We won't read all of these verses, but this is the passage where... Uh, Christ begins in verse 21, you've heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Verse 22, 
Christ says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And then go down to verse 23. He says this, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. So notice there at the end how Christ moves it just from something that's you know, temporary here on this earth to something that is eternal. There's, some, there's a greater um, even motivation here in being right with, he says here, your brother. It's because you have a judge that one day, we don't know when that's going to be, but that you will stand before, that we will stand before. And, and so the exhortation here of, he, he says, even if you're in the midst of presenting your offering to the Lord, and you remember someone has something against you, and it's from something that you have said to them, remember in the previous work, uh, uh, verses here, he's warning them about being angry with his brother, about saying these things uh, to them. And he says, you remember that that person has something against you. You leave your offering there and you go and be reconciled with that person. Go right then and, and make it right with that person. Keep short accounts. Because ultimately here, as he's pointing out, is we're accountable to God and we do not know when we will meet him. But he's keeping short accounts. I mean, and these are things you, you, you think about. I mean, you think about just as um, maybe you've experienced it with people in your life and significant uh, injuries or tragedies. And these are things going, you know, what, was our relationship good? You know, or, or I, I wish I would have done this differently. Well, by God's grace and mercy, we have that opportunity right now. We have that opportunity right now to be sure that, or that we keep these short accounts, that there is not someone who can say to us, you've offended me but that we would go and be reconciled with them now. We have that opportunity right now. And God would tell us in light of the uncertainty of life, in light of we don't know what tomorrow will bring, in light of that we are giving account and living before um, our creator and the one that we will stand before, go now and be reconciled. So live in humility Live ready to open the door for Jesus. We talked about being about our master's business, being rich towards God, being right with others, being right with God. And then the last thing here to share 
is an exhortation for those whose master is not the Lord, you know, whose savior is not Jesus Christ. And let's turn to Luke, uh, back to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And let's go and start and read uh, in verse 1 and read through verse 5 here. Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And in verse 4 here, Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, these individuals, these 18 individuals on whom the tower fell, do you think that was planned by them? I mean, do you, do you think that they were ready for that, that they thought, you know, I'm going to go out today and this tower is going to fall on me? What do you, guys, what do you kids think? Was this something you think this was kind of a you think this was a surprise? Do you th- think this was something that was uncertain to them? Up in um, in our in our small towns and on these squares, uh, there's a problem um, on these squares uh, with these old buildings. Um, these old buildings that people you know, haven't had the money to keep up or they've been abandoned and just, you know, nobody maintaining them and they're two, three-story tall buildings and uh, the brick, mortar, these things deteriorate and there's the danger of them collapsing and they collapse. Um, When we had first moved to Lancaster there, um, not long after we moved there, Vanessa and the kids, they walked from where we were living uh, down through the square to the library, and they walked back home. And I don't know how long it was, if it was 15, 20 minutes, after they had walked under this awning on the sidewalk next to these buildings, that part of the top of this building fell down, um, fell and fell through that awning onto the sidewalk. And, and so, I mean, the tower here in Salome falling was as uncertain as that building falling there in Lancaster. And and I, I hear about it and see it all the time in these small communities. But here's it's not planned, is it? It's not uncertain. And what we have the tendency to do is think, you know, but that won't happen to me. And and we have, I mean, just this past week, tragedies of young people dying in a in a school tragedy, don't we? And and I remember I hearing or reading about some of those people in that community. Small town, small community saying, you know, it is never to happen here. It's never to happen here. But the reality is that it can, tragedy and the snuffing out of our life, of your life, can happen 
at any moment. And so what does Christ say here in light of this? This is not some fear tactic. I mean, this isn't something to conjure up, something that's not real. This is a reality. And so what does Christ say? I mean, he tells them, one, instead of asking these questions about, are they more wicked than these people, or was it because they were these terrible sinners? He says, no, in light of this, listen, this can happen to you, and unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And this perish isn't merely the end of our life on this earth, but it's an eternal perishing separated from the God who made you and being separated from him into hell. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish. It's not merely a, 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 a not a perishing on this earth, but it's not an eternal perishing because of our sins separated from God. And so here the exhortation, the call is, is to repent, turn from your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. John 3.36 says this, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And that's what these individuals in Luke needed to see. The wrath of God is abiding on you. And something like this tower falling, killing these 18 can happen to you. And unless you repent, God's wrath will be unleashed upon you. And you will perish eternally separated from God. But that doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Turn, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent, and be saved. So some exhortations for us this morning, some reminders I know I've been refreshed um, in this this week, and may the Lord help us this week to live in light of, to live in light of these things, the uncertainty of life, the soon return of Christ. So let's be ready, be ready to meet our Lord. Amen.